fun. We made it to our next destination. We're out here in Duluth, Minnesota to film the next podcast. Who I'm going to speak with is Steve Shearing out of Aurora, Minnesota. Shearing Speed Sports. He has been uh, partnered with Amsoil for 23 plus years. He is a legend in the snowcross industry. He has been all the way to the tops of the ranks. Built up his own independent Skidoo race team. Can't wait to go meet with him. Thank you for having me. One question I ask probably all of my guests on here is what got you into the motorsports or the snowcross world? Ever since I was a little kid, I had a real fascination for snowmobiles. My um, my mom and dad bought one when we were 10th, 11th, 12th grade, and we rode all the time. Um, I also wanted to go racing, but never had the money to go do it. And as soon as I got my first job, the first thing I did was I bought a race snowmobile. I didn't have a house, I didn't have a car, but I wanted to go racing, so I took all the money I had from borrowed the rest and I started racing and borrowed my dad's pickup and we did the high speed oval racing from 1978 through about 1984 I raced um, a national circuit in the United States and Canada uh, raced the Skidoo twin trackers had had a lot of fun I mean we were in a well-funded team and we paid our dues but it was it was really enjoyable experience um, fast forward um, as I got to be about 34 years old, your brain becomes a little more proportionate size with your body than the other yeah. parts of your body. <laughs> yeah. and, and and I was tired of being broke um, and hurt. So I quit my oval racing. I went to go work for, at that time, snowcross was kind of becoming the big thing. So I went to go work for a couple of factory teams. I worked for the Yamaha factory team for a year. I worked for the Skidoo factory team for a year. And then everybody's like, well, this sport needs a big independent team. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'll give it a try. And we were fortunate <laughs> enough the first year to secure Amsoil as our primary sponsorship. And we won the ESPN Winter X Games that year. We took second in the championship, actually second and third. And uh, that was the start of our career. Uh, fast forward a year later, we had some conversations with the U.S. Air Force. Uh, we kind of started off with a small partnership with them. We showed them what we had to offer and how it parallels with what the Air Force has with pilots and crew chiefs and mechanics and truck drivers and logistic people and how that whole parallels what we do and sure. you know, the demographics that are races. So uh, we brought on the U.S. Air Force and 23 years ago, and they've been a partner with us ever since. And that's just been a cool experience. I got to fly in an F-16 for an hour and a half. I've spent days out of Orange County Choppers when they built the Air Force Chopper. We spent a lot of time down in... Um, San Antonio with uh, special forces, uh, basic training, just really get in a full immersion of what the Air Force is all about. And it's just been a fantastic experience. In addition to that, prior to every one of the national races we go to, we go to school visits at the local high schools where we talk about the technology that drives our team and, and how everything is technology driven nowadays versus days when your hands would smell like gas those days are gone um and then we give a scholarship out kind of a thank you to a deserving student and the air force has a recruiter there does a little bit of a soft sale so it's a really a it's a cool opportunity for kids to go we'll bring their million dollar race transporter there we'll bring uh, the racers myself some crew members and it's a pretty unique experience for right young kids that never really get to see that and, and show firsthand that myself and my crew and my drivers are all from small towns and we worked hard for what we got we got successful by believing in ourselves and having the right attitude so pretty fortunate on that side you know along with that we have skidoo we have milwaukee 
tools. We have Clam Clothing. We have about 18 um, major sponsors that really help fund our program and allow us to be one of the top teams in the world. Sure. So that's it in 10 seconds or less. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you started on Skidoo, right? Yeah. Well, actually, the first snowmobile I bought was a 1978 um, Yamaha SRX, and then I bought a 245 RV that was a couple years old, and then... We evolved into the independent front suspension, um, super mods, and super stock skidoos, and then I transitioned into a skidoo twin track. Um, so that was my whole personal racing, and then I, um, I worked for the skidoo factory team one year, and then I worked for Yamaha. Um, I really learned a lot about the whole system at that point, and then when we created our own team, we went to skidoo, and we were with them up until 2003 and then there were some marketing issues with Amazon and some of our sponsors that they felt was a little bit of a conflict so we switched to Polaris for about four or five years and fortunately one of the guys I used to race with became the race director at Skidoo and said hey okay. Steve I'd like to have you back and I'm like Shit. <laughs> and fast forward we've been with them for another 15 years right now and you know it's, it's impressive with the technology that that the Skidoos and the Can-Ams have is just, I think it's the forefront of, of motorsports right now and, and the passion and the DNA that BRP has of building a fast sled, and it, it's, it's cool to be part of that. Do you think currently they're one of the top sleds right now? Oh, oh I think hands down they're the best. Uh, um, you know, they're all good snowmobiles out there, but I see the technology and the advancements all the time going on and what's BRP builds both the Skidoo and the Can-Am. Right. And I believe a hundred percent that they're still light years ahead of everybody else. Right. Right. So when you, uh, when you left the race scene yourself, was that kind of a scary jump to go from, uh, racing to maybe possibly owning your own business and trying to start it yourself? Well, I tell you what, I think every, racer in the world has that fear of death when they decide it's time to quit racing <laughs> yeah. it's like okay my world just ended what do i do now and and it, it's it's weird i mean it's a weird feeling you've done it for so long and then all of a sudden you're not doing it anymore you know like you can't really gauge your worth off it but it's like it, it, it was a huge paradigm shift and so first year i went as a mechanic i was like a bad deal i feel pretty good monday morning i don't hurt i don't have anything broken i got some money in my pocket yeah. you know it's not a bad deal and then um fast forward to actually owning my team i mean the first year it was scarier than hell because nobody had ever done what i did right you know i was like as the first guy to show up this huge race transporter we had matching hats we had matching pitch shirts um with branded sleds everybody's like holy shit this is the coolest thing ever you know we became the trend center. We were the original independent team. And, you know, fast forward, there's 25 teams out there like us now. But it's cool that I was the one that really broke that mold right. in snowmobile racing to bring in outside sponsorship, Amsoils, Air Force, Milwaukee Tools, Ford Trucks, all that. You, you know, it's pretty cool testimony to have those for this long and the success of our team. Right. Did they, uh, like Amsoil and them, were they a big reason why you started? I mean, did did you start it without sponsors, or did some of these sponsors hop on right away? So it's an expensive sport, and, and you're going to do it two ways. You're either going to go in the back of a pickup and go, 
have some fun and then go drink beer at four o'clock in the afternoon, or you're going to go all in. Right. And anything in between is just a waste of money. <laughs> it is. Yeah. So we knew for us to run at the level that um, we needed to run, we needed sponsorship funding. Right. And we were fortunate enough to have Amsoil take a chance on us. You know, they had been involved with racing 10 years prior to that, and then they kind of pulled back, and they were willing to take another leap. And Amsoil, you know, their headquarters are only about an hour and a half away from here, so we're right. kind of the, you know, home base and uh, they took a leap of faith on us, and it, and it really paid off. And um, they've probably doubled in size four or five times since we started racing in this oh, huge, yeah. you know, successful company. Um, not all because of me, but, right, <laughs> right, right. you know, it, it's, it's neat to see that growth. And, you know, I was, I was at their 25th anniversary. Now this summer I'm going to their 50th anniversary. So wow. having a long-term partnership like that is pretty rare in any sport. Right, form of sports. Right, and for them, they just keep supporting year after year. I mean, but I also work my ass off too. Right, you know, and it's like I make sure every single day I'm doing something to improve it. It's right. like, right, you know, that's the thing that people don't understand. It's like having your own business, you have to put the time in, and you get out of it what yep. you put into. And but if you really love what you do for a living, it's like. I'm not supposed to go home at five o'clock and learn on my kitchen cabinets. I'd rather stay here a couple hours and truly do what I love. Right, right. And you know, be able to make a living off that. I'm very blessed. Right. You've had a lot of good riders come through here. Um, we have. Tim being one of them, Tremblay, right? Yeah. He was, I, I mean, they consider him one of the top ten riders of all time. For so. sure. Him, DJ Ekstrom's one of the Snowcross top ten riders, Chris Vincent, um, Robbie Malinowski, you know, People go, God, you've had a lot of riders. I have, but I've been around for 25 years, too. <laughs> yeah. Nobody can match that mark. Right. You know, and last year we had five riders in different classes, including the pros. This year we scaled that down to three. But, yeah, we've had a lot of great Carl Shabitsky, who's the president of ISOC, used to race for me. Okay. You know, so I have a lot of history. Right, right. I mean, going back, back in time a little bit when you, you know, or even now, is it scary pulling up to a race and you got all the factory riders versus like independent owner or just another day in the office? It's not scary anymore. Um, we're as much of a factory team as anybody on a skidoo is right now. You know, yeah. we all get support. We're all basically independent slash factory teams. Sure. Um, no, it's, it's not scary anymore. It's, it's like what I see now is a lot of, people trying to create their own team. And I don't think people realize what goes on to get to that first race, you know, right. Third of July at 10 o'clock at night, I'm still finalizing clothing designs with climb while everybody <laughs> else is having some fun right. because we have a deadline and getting the production. Right. Done. You know, everything as you become seasoned, you understand timelines, what needs to be done. And each year it becomes a little bit more of a pattern the whole COVID supply chain deal, that made things a challenge. Didn't I help. mean, even yeah. even now, two years later, it's still, you know, part shortages, waiting for parts, uh, just a lot of stuff that took the fun out of a lot of things. Right, right. Uh, tell me a little bit about your current team you have right now. Was it Logan and Hunter you got on the roster? So my two pro racers this year, Hunter Patno, Logan Christian. Um, Hunter finished second last year. Probably we had a really good chance to win the championship had he not got hurt at a couple of races and we sure. missed some points. Uh, Logie, 
he used to be on Articat. He's been with us for two years now. He's got the speed and the ability to put her on the box. So I'm very fortunate. And they're great guys. Yeah. You know, great guys. I mean, that's the whole key is like somebody comes on my team, I want to make sure they gel and get along and they're not a jerk. Right, right, you know, right, right. I've had to deal with a couple of them in the past and or their dads, and I'll never do that again. <laughs> yeah. You know, I suppose so, the family comes along with it, so you got to deal yeah, with both the riders and the yeah, family. And I, and, I mean, families can – make guys careers and they can break guys careers absolutely you know, and i've seen both sides of it and uh um i would know. imagine majority of the riders you get are younger they're in their younger years they are yeah they are you know and i watch riders come up and i mean we're we're a focal point where people want to come because they see our own test track our facility right the effort we put in the resources we have how well our vehicles perform all the time on the track so it's like we, we've got something pretty Premier. elusive that people want to come to. Right, right. Well, how many sleds are you bringing to a race? I see downstairs there's, I guess I didn't count, but there's quite a few sleds. Yeah. So when we go to a race, um, not including my sport driver, just including the two pros, yep. each one will have two complete race-ready snowmobiles. Okay. We'll have a, a display slash guest rides um, snowmobile for the Air Force display. And then sometimes we'll bring one more. So we'll have five to six snowmobiles coming to every race. And then our trailer's completely full of parts that we could rebuild anything that needed to be done. Sure. Um, the thing is, once you start racing during the day, you can't change that snowmobile. You have right. to run that same snowmobile all day. So it wouldn't make any value bringing any more. Right, right. So as far as like when you pull up to a race, how many are on the team? I'm assuming that your riders, mechanics, obviously you... So we have riders, we have mechanics, we probably have four mechanics, we have myself, and another guy we take turns driving the big truck, we have a, an engineer from Fox that supports us, we have one or two okay. from BRP that support us, and we have a media guy, a photographer, so it's not too far from eight to ten. Yeah, pretty full scale then. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So uh, as far as your guys' test track out here, what started that? Just knew you needed something to basically test your machines on because it looks sounds like you got what fifty riders a day is what you're saying. Right. So, so what started that? When when we first started the snowcross racing, nobody would have time to go. We'd never have a, a place to test before the first race, which was Thanksgiving Spear Mountain. Well, then we went up to Thompson, Manitoba, which is uh, twelve hours north of Winnipeg and about two hundred miles from the polar bear capital of the world yeah and we were in the middle of nowhere and there was an internet the track was rock hard um there was no shipping going on there and i'm like this is crazy i said i i worked at a ski hill when i was younger I, it's i could figure out how to make this snow right so came back from that trip um at that time i think we only had like five acres here and about one snow gun and a pump and we made our own snow each year it got a little bit bigger and bigger. Now I have 25 acres here. I have 12 snow guns. I have two groomers. I have all three-phase infrastructure. Sure. And so part two of our whole test track, and one of the reasons I have other people come here, I watch these young kids go to the first race with no experience of being on sled, and they'd get hurt, and they'd lose interest in the sport. Right. So I'm like, we got to give these kids a spot to get time on the vehicle, get comfortable, have fun. So when they go to their race, they're competitive 
and they enjoy what they do, and it'll continue the sport. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, you got to grow the sport. That's uh, any any motorsports anymore. That yeah. unfortunately, this kind of thing is dying. I mean, there's not a lot of not a lot of kids that get into it. Anyways, in our area, I can't speak for out here, but well, well, what's interesting is is the numbers continue to increase. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, the number of entries increase. Our our preseason testing numbers increased. Uh, the live streaming numbers increase on the series. So, um, it, it, it's really taken off the whole snowcross platform. And uh, you know, not only do we have young riders here, we have every top rider in the world has been here for the last two or three weeks because they need a place to test. And the more guys we have on the track, it helps offset the cost of making the snow right and it allows true race conditions you know everything gets pulled out whooped sure. out, and it's actual actual races versus two or three guys out there you spend all day trying to get some bumps designed right right so do you is it like a fee to come ride for it is so we do a a, a daily rental or a season pass and we sure. make it affordable for everybody um it's nice here the city embraces us in it you know they um they helped us get this whole thing started. Um, we don't get a lot of complaints about the nice work because we are right in town. Yeah. But it, it's it's a perfect spot because there's places to eat. There's a hardware store, a gas station, a parts store. So if somebody needs something today, they can run half a mile sure. away and grab what they need. And there's local lodging. So it, it works out really well. And the fact that we're in northern Minnesota where it's a little bit colder all the time. Sure, sure. Does anyone sell race fuel in town? So I bring I stock race fuel okay. here. Um, we have to run a spec race fuel. Okay. And I, I bring some here in case somebody doesn't have it. I'll gotcha. sell them some, but I try not to sell too much. Yeah. I mean, you can smell it in the air. It's pretty yeah. It's pretty strong when I walked in. Uh, what do you? What is the spec for the fuel then? So we have to run what's called Sunoco Surge. Um, it's a low lead, 98 to 100 octane. Yep. And um, I think it's a good thing, deal that we do that because prior to that, People would run a lot of stuff that was carcinogen based, and you'd be in the pits and sucking all them fumes in, and it was a big health issue. And just to try to police it was really a challenge. This way, everybody runs the same fuel. They stick a meter in it; it's a pass or a fail. Right, and, and it's not like the old oil injected sleds where the whole—I'm sure the whole pits was just fume smoke. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it's a good thing. Yeah. You know. Um, it's an expensive fuel, but it's the same fuel everybody has to run. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at some point you got to draw the line and just make it even across the board. I'm sure people are always trying. That's any any sport when there's money involved. People are always trying and to get away have, with something. Yeah, and some have gotten caught. Yeah. You know, and, it, and for me, having the Air Force and Amsoil as sponsors, I would never cheat because it's like that would be – slap in all of our faces well it'd be detrimental yeah i mean you know, lose like, sponsors uh, i mean we have a team based on integrity you know do i have a piece of foam missing maybe once in a while sure right but i mean you know we follow the spirit of the rule and, right i assume you pull up and you got to go through a tech you do so you do the random tech and safety tech prior to the race and when you finish the race the top three in one random one will get some type of random test, whether it's a fuel test, a motor takedown, uh, look at a suspension, you know, er everything is random, so you don't sure. know what's going to happen. Sure. Yeah, that's, I mean, there needs to be tech. That's, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, that's, it, uh, know, that's the world we're in. It, it is, and it's, <laughs> uh, you know, it's always a couple that ruin it for everybody, unfortunately. Yep. Yeah, that's for sure. 
Yeah, just from watching a few of your videos, I've seen you, you've had a lot of you know big name riders ride on this practice track out here. Probably well, anyone and everyone in between. Well, for sure. I mean, Blair Morgan's been here. Tucker Hibbert's been here. Eliza Shule was here a couple days ago. He's coming back up on Thursday. Obviously, my riders. Um, Tim, you know, he spent yep. three years down here. Pretty much anybody that's anybody in racing comes here because yep. it is the only spot, and it's a great track. Right. You know, and we have great uh, partnership with Climb, and they have the branding rights for the track, and, you know, we make sure that everybody gets a true value for coming Sure. I, I think uh, Levi, he's up north, right? Northern Minnesota. Valley? Yep. So he's in Longville, which is over more towards um, kind of in between Grand Rapids and Bemidji. Okay. But his whole team has been here for the last two weeks, and he came. He used to ride here when he was okay. racing. So he has his own team then? Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Because I knew, I don't know if he still is, if he's still a sponsored Red Bull rider. Or he he kinda, is. Okay. Yeah. He is, and his team is a Red Bull sponsor. Okay. Because he really got into the freestyle stuff yep. there for a while. Yep. Cool. Well, now you've kind of transitioned into some off-road. For sure, as if I didn't have enough on my plate. <laughs> um, you know, we started with um, one of the guys that builds the sleds for me, Elliot. He wanted to try the off-road, and I was like, there's no way in hell you're going to do it by yourself <laughs> because of what it costs. So, you know, we worked out a, a great partnership with Can-Am, and we started off with the side-by-side in the first time we went out you know it was like the, the tough part for me was like in snowcross i'm a big fish in a little sea yeah and i can call larry td up at woody's or his son rick and say hey i need some of these studs and i need some of these carbides and i go no problem steve we'll get them out today mm-hmm. you know i got into that off-road wheel world and i'd call up the tire manufacturer and i go this is steve shearing we're putting a team together and i could i need some of these tires they go Okay, they're three hundred ninety nine dollars a piece, and we take a credit card. You know, <laughs> yeah. so I had to really turn back know. into like a not a nobody, but right. So I was like, okay, watch me grow. Right, and you know, fast forward. I mean, now we have a great partnership with Yokohama. The Air Force is our title sponsor in the summertime, and we've gone from one side by side. Last summer, I brought on Kyle Cheney, probably the best UTV racer in the world, and he also runs a Pro Four truck for us. Last year, we won. The World Championships, he won the King of Hammers out in California. Um, the pro truck, we're getting podiums with it. We're maturing yeah. with that. That's an ongoing process. So it's fun. I mean, it's it's a different type of racing, um, but it's cool. It's 900 to 1,000 horsepower on the truck. You know, the UTVs are 225 horsepower yeah. at the rear wheels. They're, they're doing 90 miles an hour out on the track and flying 180 feet. Or, so <laughs> it, it's, it's, you know... The building blocks are the same, right? It's just a different event, right? Um, so is it? I don't know. Do your racers like now that he does off road? Is he practicing somewhere else in the winter time where it's warm while your guys' other team is racing in the winter? Or so Kyle races year round, okay? And like he just he's been out in California for the last couple of weeks testing for King of the Hammers, okay? Um, and he'll run a couple of non champ series races also. And then Elliot, he's actually building the sled, so okay. his, he's kind of limited to just the summer. But Kyle is, is year-round wide open on that kind of stuff. So what about your snowmobile or your snowcross racers? Do they get any summertime? Do you guys travel anywhere to get some seat time? Or Nope. nope. We, um, we'll usually make be ready to ride here about Halloween, and which at 
this point puts us six weeks away from the first race. And then we'll stay. Our last race is usually the last weekend of March. And we'll stay here and test for a few more weeks. Or if we need to go a little bit longer, we'll rent the ski hill, which is by us. Yeah. If we need to wait, go into May or something. And by then, there's not a lot of value in, in spending a month summer riding snowmobiles. Right? Sure, sure. I mean, is there a lot of injuries in snowcross? It's a high injury. It's a 100% injury rate. Yeah. You know, and it, it's Logie last year, first week on the team, swapped out there, shattered his collarbone. Was able enough to heal. Right. He made the first race. You know, thank God the first race was after New Year's last year. Hunter, and he popped his, he had a chest contusion at Canterbury where he got flipped off the sled and basically body slammed an ice chunk. Right. Um, he came and raced the next day, next week, and I was just in shock because he was in the hospital for two days. <laughs> and then he, um, at um, Deadwood, he actually, we thought we broke his ankle, but he just dislocated it, and it was about the size of a football. Went out the next day and said, well, I think I'm going to try practice. I was like, okay. And he's like, okay, I think I'm going to try a heat. Okay, won the heat. <laughs> won the next heat. Took second in the final. I was like, I thought you were just going to try practice. Was, <laughs> right. Yeah, it don't hurt that bad. Nah. So it's, it's like, I would say mid-season, 85% of the riders out there are riding with some kind of ailment. Sure. It, it's a tough sport. It's a 500-pound machine, yeah. you know, and, and you've got all this gear on, and the track changes every lap. It's it's a tough sport. Right, right. And, then, yeah, you can't just throw a machine like that around. It's mm-hmm. a lot of weight. And there's 15 other sleds out there at the same time, too, you know, roosting you in the face. I mean, we have so many more dynamics that no other sport has. Right. You know, a track that changes every lap. That's roost that's like wet concrete being thrown in your face. Right. You know, it's just. Right. 30 below, 70 above, <laughs> racing all the elements. Yep. Yeah, I mean, like, Deadwood. I haven't been to the other tracks, but I've been to Deadwoods. That's it's a pretty <laughs> tight track. It's like a little bull ring. Yeah. You know, and, and that's fun to see because within five laps, you're into lap traffic already. Right. You know? So that adds a dynamic to the races. Um, we race at big ski hills where the tracks are a little bit longer. I'm not a big fan of that. You know, I'd rather see a tight course or a Canterbury or a Deadwood or Sure. Something like that. It seems like when the track gets too big, sometimes they get spread out too much. Riders can pull away. Yeah, yeah. the excitement kind of wails. Right, right. Um, so where, where are you headed next week, the opener weekend? So we'll head out Wednesday for Fargo, North Dakota. Um, we go a day early. Thursday we'll go do some school visits with the Air Force and the Fargo-Moorhead area. Friday night they have the Amsoil Dominator, which is a heads-up race for ten thousand dollars is kind of a cool deal precursor to the season the last couple of years because of covid it was more of a mid-season deal but this year the excitement's back sure sure and it, we've won that um three times now i think so it's really a, a, a neat event to start the season and kind of kind of see where everybody's at good good i do most of these tracks have to make their own snow uh Everybody makes their own snow. Some of our tracks are ski hills where they're making snow for skiing. Right. Anywhere. It's like uh, Michigan and Dubuque, Iowa will race um, in the spring after skiing has, has stopped. Sure. And the snow is already there. Um, Fargo makes their own snow at the fair, fairgrounds. Sioux Falls will be making it. Deadwood tries to pull in enough natural snow yeah. if they get it. Right. You know, I've seen both sides of that. Um, Canterbury, they're making snow right now down there. 
Elk River, they make snow and they're making they're actually done almost making snow. Sure. So everybody has to make snow. The days of natural snow are so rare because you need so much of it to have a track. Yeah, and uh, I don't know, as weird as it is to say, we don't get the snow that we used to. We don't. And, uh, you know, we've had some tracks where they've hauled in parking lot snow and you're out there racing and there's a tennis shoe and a shopping <laughs> cart in the track. You know, it's, yeah. it's dirty and your sled looks like hell when it gets here because it's full of salt and right. sand and so. Right. You know, it's a little bit more work making the snow, but it's just a more homogenous track. Right. I seen, well, when I pull up, you were out uh, grooming or, you know, changing the track for the night. Who, who is building your jumps? Because they got to be somewhat precise so you don't got guys casing it or whatever else. So, so what we do is, I mean, I can build a tame track. Yeah. Um, so what we'll do every morning is I'll take one of our dozers and I'll go out there and windrow all the snow that's gotten hard overnight so it's softened up so we're not wrecking the groomers. And then I'll get it all basically rotated so that it's soft and workable. And then Hunter and Logie will go out with the groomers and actually create the track. Okay. You know, if, I mean, if they're gone for a weekend, I will go make it. But they make stupid-ass jumps, you know. <laughs> and and I, I'm not a big fan of that, but that's yeah. what we race in. Right. You know, so they'll do that and then... During the course of the day, probably four times we'll go out there and do maintenance on the track because, you know, the faces get blown out, yep, the yep. corners get pushed off, so it's constantly pulling stuff back in. So you're redoing a track every day? Every day. Wow. And if you don't, it's rock hard. Oh, that's and, crazy. And, and that's how people get hurt, and you, you don't learn anything. So. Yeah. You don't it's a lot of work. I mean, that's the thing that's everybody to have your own facility is fantastic because we don't have to travel somewhere else right but every day when everybody else goes home i gotta go out there for two hours which i don't mind right and i'm here an hour or two earlier than everybody else getting the day prepared right but we have a great track every single day right right yeah you don't see that in any other sport i mean the track is the track is what it is i mean other than maybe grooming it or whatever i mean you're not rebuilding a track every day and the second thing about our sport is all snow melts every spring and then right. you got to start again next fall. <laughs> you know, it'd be, it would be great if you could keep the snow like you can keep dirt. Right, right. So, like, all the trailers out there, do a lot of those guys leave them? I mean, just leave them, leave the sleds, and just come ride every day? Or are they pulling trailers in and out every day? So, some of them trailers have been here for a month or two, I guess I don't know how long, at least a month. Um, and some of them will bring their, throw their sled in the back of a pickup and go home just because of fuel costs or whatever, to work on it in their shop at home. Sure. Um, they usually, all the trailers stay overnight. They don't bring them back to the motel or anything. Right. Um, and then some of the bigger semis have been here for a couple of weeks, I guess, already. And then there will be a new batch of them coming in on Thursday, I think, or Wednesday night. Okay. Um, because we're doing some testing with Skidoo up here. So the rest of the Skidoo teams will come up. But we'll have up to... I don't know, 50 or 60 rigs out there, anything from a 20-foot trailer to a 53 semi. Well, yeah, that's that's a lot. But you got a pretty big area there. We do. I mean, we have a huge parking lot across the road that's, you know, got crushed blacktop on it. There's no mud. It's They can drive right across the road. It's a dead-end road, so you don't have to worry about traffic. So most of these riders are staying in town, and then they're just coming out and riding and testing every day, basically? And and fixing, yeah. Oh, wow. So, uh, I mean, a few stay in their trailer. Right. You know, some of them have living quarters in their trailers, but the majority of them are either renting a motel or a and b or a villa or something. Okay, okay. Well, that brings revenue into the town. and It does. I mean, we bring, 
in the month of November, we'll bring over $400,000 into a town of 1,300 people that it's really a shoulder season. I mean, all the golf courses are closed and the ski right. hills aren't open and stone hills aren't open. So it's, it's a perfect bridge for them. Right. And they really embrace that. Right. To get some revenue. Oh, I didn't realize they were staying here every, but I suppose how else do you train and practice? Yeah. You know, and, and everything's budget driven. I mean, right. some of the uh, can only stay so long too. And that's why we try to make it affordable for everybody. You know, the tough part is if you got to spend every night in a motel, it's a hundred dollars a night in a heartbeat. And sure. Food, you know, everything's expensive this year. So your guys, do you get them on the track before everyone else gets here, like in the morning or? No, nope, they go at the same time as everybody else. They'll build sure. a track, and we open up at 10 o'clock. And uh, during the weekends when it's busy and we have a lot more younger kids here, yeah. we'll actually have uh, a timed schedule. Okay. And, you know, to separate the younger kids from the pros. Um, during the week, the young kids aren't around because they're in school and their dads are working. Right. So it's kind of a free-for-all out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah I didn't know if you kind of separated them so they didn't get hurt or whatever. No, it, it's, you know... Sometimes there's a lot of, sometimes there's stuff because there's a lot out there, but that's the best testing when you're running with other people. Yeah, yeah, right. So now that you made it this far, how uh, how many more years do you think you got left in it? <laughs> well, I'm going to keep doing it until I'm not having fun. Yeah? I mean, I don't have a period number on that. Yeah. Um, you know, fortunate enough to make a living. I have a couple other businesses with wildland fire suppression, heavy equipment, um, demolition. You know, we got a lot of other stuff going on sure. too. Very fortunate, you know, that I've been, you know, funded through sponsorship and have created these relationships. Right. How long am I going to do it? If I'm not having fun next year, I'll stop. But right now, right, I've got a great crew and I've got great drivers and I've got great sponsors. And, you know, we all see that, yeah, this is a lot of work, but it, we have to enjoy it. Right. And I'm not, I've never been the kind of person that could go work for somebody else again. I, you know, I, right. Had my real job. I went to school for heavy equipment. I ran a big highway paving company until 1997, 98, okay. until the first year we started. And, you know, I had company car, company pickup, a credit card, and good insurance, <laughs> a good salary. And, you know, when I told my mom and dad I was quitting that, they're like, you're crazy. Your dad worked in the same place for 35 years. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. well, I'm sure I, if I, this doesn't work out, I'll find another job. And right. Well, at yeah. that time, the iron ore mines were probably pretty hot and heavy, or yeah, yeah. I mean, they've always, you know, been cyclical, but it's just, um, you know, the first year I had my team, it was I had my real job still, so I had to like travel back from New York. I had to be back by Tuesday morning so I could go do my other job that you know, right? That I was paid the bills, yeah. <laughs> and so time. I mean, back then, you know, pre-log days on your. I would eat like two bags of candy because I was driving the the truck too. So I'd eat right. like two bags of candy corn. So I was so sick I couldn't fall asleep all night <laughs> while I was driving. You know, right? Yeah, I, you, know, you know, looking back, I was probably when I see that you know unicorn going across the road at about <laughs> three in the morning, I probably should have stopped. But right, uh, we all learn. Yeah. Um, so it, it's an evolution, and you know, it, it's a it's a thriving sport. I mean, it's like you know, we have huge outside sponsors in it. We right. have incredible live stream numbers that match, you know, supercross and motocross and, Good. um, it, it, you know, in, in relation to vehicles sold, it's just, it, it's a strong sport, but it's still a fragile sport. Right. All, all racing is, Yeah. you know, I mean, we're, we're constantly fighting, you know, regulations, um, 
available workforce, right. supply issues, costs, um, venue sites, you know, everything is, I, I'm fortunate here in town, you know, I don't get a lot of complaints about the noise. Obviously there's a couple of people all the time, but we don't do anything in the summertime out here. Right. When so people are outside in the wintertime, people are inside and it's dark at five o'clock. Right. So, But you're done at dark anyways. Yeah, I mean, it's not like I'm you saying. can ride. So, so I mean, it's know. not so bad. And what's wrong with a little noise? I, I, Doesn't you know, bother me. That's what I said at more than once at a council meeting. I mean, what's wrong with a little noise? I mean, city band plays in town this summer. Nobody complains <laughs> yeah. about that. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know. There's recreational snowmobiles out there, too. They're making noise, so yeah. it's... I People guess. are pretty good about it, you know, and it's like, I, this is actually, a, I graduated from this town, you know, yep. so I know most of the people. It's not like I'm a pack sacker and came here right. or something. Right. So do you see a lot of venues falling apart now or changing hands or go, just going to new spots because there is, you know? Um, we, we have a, a pretty strong core of races. It seems like there's always one or two that are a little bit in flux. Um, sometimes it's scheduling issues. Sometimes it's zoning issues sometimes um like lake geneva for example yep. we're not going back there and i'm glad that we're not because we were there for i was there before i even had my own team for so we've been going there for 25 years mm-hmm. huge influx of money into the resort down there and they just kept wanting more wanting more wanting more and providing less and, right you know finally you had to cut that cord and i'm glad that they did Right. You know, I mean, it was, and teams had to go park and pay $10 a day just to park your own pickup there. You know, it just got oh, worse wow. every year. And I mean, the banquet alone had to bring in $100,000 into the resort. And they, I don't know, they just, different management, you right. know. I mean, people have different views and I have to respect that, but I'm like, man, why would you kill a cash cow? Yeah, some people get greedy, though. And some builders spend money. I mean, they're the ones that go and, and eat out in the restaurants and have, you know, some drinks with yep. it. And they stay yep. in motels and they, you know, buy gas in town. And I'm not saying other events don't, but, I mean, I've seen Grandma's Marathon in Duluth, which is they claim is the biggest event. You know, those guys are camping. They're eating their own sandwiches. We raced in Duluth. We filled up the motels. We ate the restaurants. You right. Know, it was... Where's the race at in Duluth? Is it out at the mountain? It used to be at Spear Mountain, but we haven't raced there since 2019 when they had that snowstorm that canceled it. Oh. And there's a little bit different city council there, and there's a little bit different management at the race at the ski hill now, and they they don't feel good about having a race, which is hmm. okay. a bad deal for the city. Yeah, and I, I could be wrong, but did Deadwood's race get canceled last year? No, because they, they had issues with snow or something. So the temperatures weren't conducive to making enough snow. Yeah. So rather than giving it a marginal track, they pushed it back a few weeks. That's what it was. I knew. I knew it got changed somewhere in there. I just and Deadwood is, how... I mean, a weird town. It's, it's south. You don't realize how far south you are. Yeah. In, in the United States, and the elevation temps, you know, and we race out there. It's fifty-five during the day and thirty at night. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's great racing. Right. Um, but it's like. You can't make snow with that. Right, right. These newer sleds, like fuel-injected sleds, do you got to worry about altitude and things like that? Well, there's, they're self-compensating for that, but you still have to change the clutches, suspension yeah. stuff, because every 1,000 feet you go up, you're down 3%. So right. Dead was not that bad. It's 4,400 feet, and we're 1,300 
opportunity here. Right. So it's only about a 10% loss. When we did the X Games at Crest View, Colorado, that was 10,000 feet. That right. was a whole new right. ball game. Right. So you've kind of been basically anywhere, New York, Colorado, all over the place. Yeah, we go to Montreal. We race up there. Um, the western states, Wyoming, Colorado, North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, um, New York. Do you, do you guys do the X Games every year? Well, they haven't had motorsports at the X Games for about four years now. Okay, yeah. So um, we did up until then. Right. And I think we won one gold, five silvers, six or seven bronzes. So we've had some really good success out there. Sure. And it's a fun event, but it, it changed. It went more to a musical, snowboarding, skateboarding kind of event versus a motorsports, which was right. weird because when the snowmobiles went out there, the crowds lined up. Right. You know, it was like everybody watched Snowcross. Right, right. That's, as a kid, I think that's where most people probably seen it. Sure. You know, it's the X Games. You're watching some of the elite go at it, so. Yeah, it was a fun event. Yeah. No, that's that's too bad they don't do that anymore. I think we spent 13 years out in Aspen racing out there at the X Games. Wow. And then we raced at uh, Crestview, and prior to that, we were in uh, Vermont, it was kind of funny, too, because Vermont was probably 98, 99, 2000, right? And then, and they actually, back then, they had private bands play for the athletes and team managers. And then one year, a guy calls, he goes, yeah, we're having Eminem playing out here. And I was like, oh, who's wow. that? Because huh. he was just right. new into the scene. Nobody, right. you know, <laughs> obviously, some people know, but I like, I never heard him before. <laughs> yeah. And find out, you know, right. how big he was. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, really big. <laughs> Him and Cypress Hill and Godsmack, you know. Oh, wow. Yeah, All sorts of Hanging out names. with them guys in the bar back then. Yeah. It was a pretty cool deal. That's pretty neat. That's pretty neat. Well, that's what I have for you. I don't know if you have anything for me, but I, I do appreciate well, I your time. No, I appreciate you coming. And, you know, it's like I just want to put that message out there that you truly can do anything in life if you put your mind to it. And, yep. and I'm a testimony to it. Yep. And it's just all about believing in yourself, having a great attitude. Right. You know, that's going to get you farther than any schooling and, and the ability to bullshit doesn't hurt anything. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, it's out there for the taking. Nope. And to love what you do. Uh, I told him when I showed up, I love motorsports. That's why I'm here. I mean, this kind of started as a hobby, but yeah. it's got caught a lot of traction and meeting a lot of different people and all sorts of different industries from F1 to snowcross to motocross. So, it's kind of neat. It is. And the cool thing about our sports that we're involved with, it's like you go to a race, I can go to any single trailer if I need a bolt or a nut or a part, yep. and they'll give it to you. You know, there's no jerks. No. Nope. And I've seen that in, you know, higher forms of racing where that's not, and I, I don't want to be part of that. I want to be a part of, like, we're going to win, beat them on the track, not because they have a part or something. Right, right. No, I think it's pretty common that the motorsports make a family yeah. sport. So, awesome. I appreciate your time. Well, you are welcome. Thank you for coming. Yeah.